And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and you can listen wherever you are uh, to the show at your convenience. That's right. All right, so we were talking about... uh, uh, last hour uh, about that in four years, the projection is only 38% of people will be subscribing to pay TV mm-hmm. in the United States, 30, right. 38% of households. Right. And that was a little bit mind boggling. It just made me think though, over the weekend, you know, my dad is into watching streaming, but he's been streaming from the smart DVD, which is about 10 years old where half the apps are no longer in service, mm-hmm. but YouTube is so, my sister for Father's Day got him a new, brand new Chromecast, you know, with the remote control and everything else. And it's like he's fighting it. It's like, no, I like the old way. Mm. No, it's too slow. You don't understand. This works 20 times faster. And it does. I mean, you yeah, look at the right. old remote and the old, whatever the software is in the DVD player, it like takes forever to load YouTube. And it's, you know, the new Chromecast is boom, boom, boom. But it's a new remote he has to use and he's fighting it. It's like yeah, yeah. It's like when yeah. I when I'm back in two weeks, he'll be he'll be flying all through it. But uh, uh, another story here that I just saw here at the top of the hour and, and thought was uh, interesting since we were talking about TV. Uh, the new site Semaphore has it. Liberal activists want to buy your local TV station. Prog- progressive media activist rattled by the collapse of a generation of youth-oriented digital news outlets like Vice and BuzzFeed News mm-hmm. are pushing wealthy Democrats to invest in for-profit media companies and social media influencers. That's the conclusion of an 85-page report yeah. obtained by this new site, Semaphore, and subsequently published online, prepared for a gra- gathering of progressive leaders in Washington, D.C. last month. So they're trying to get the billionaires, I wonder who that is, hmm. to buy local TV stations. George so- uh, Soros Jr. 
<laughs> exactly. So, yeah, and and so you know, you look at this and you say, okay, you buy local TV stations, so you're going to have a you're you're trying to do a MSNBC creating a new network by buying local TV stations. Are you trying to do the Sinclair formula? Hmm. But but really be more where you have maybe 40 TV stations across the country in major oh. markets and you have programming for all of them. We already have a liberal media. Well, yeah, that's I guess that would be the point. It exists already. Yeah. But let me ask you this, though, because hmm. this is what part of the discussion uh, has been uh, on the story that 38 percent of people will only be subscribing to pay TV. And, you know, all of these MSNBC, CNN, Fox, all of them are on pay TV. Yeah. So is this the left looking at the future and saying, wait a minute, we're much more likely to get a bigger audience, especially more influential in the big markets. If we actually buy the TV stations and have our national programming on our own stations. We don't go. There is no middleman at that point. We don't have to go through a middleman. Middle person. Mm, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know mm. if that's what they're like. This is all a guess on my part. I don't know. But that would be. See, is that is that the new business model? I don't think it's still going to work. I, I don't like the business model. Yeah, I because I think the medium itself, if you're trying to reach younger viewers, isn't going to be there. It's not going to deliver those viewers. And that's the problem. Ultimately, you're still talking about that, you know, controlling the airwaves, by the way, is is not something in today's age that it has even been a conversation because the airwaves are now everything. And now with 5G, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can get whatever information you want at any time. I Buying something that is, you know, one property in terms of a TV station. In order to get your agenda out, I'm not sure that's going to work. With the left... The, the the demographics just simply don't don't work. So yeah, and and so if you look at it, you you say, okay, you, do you plan on forming a twenty four seven liberal news network? Because Sinclair doesn't even do that. Yeah. Sinclair no. has regular programming, and then right. has you know news shows, whatever that may or may not be more moderate or conservative, depending on what market you're in. Yeah. Uh, and, and the demographics and, for their reach fit fit the fit the equation for liberals. I I don't think they do because you're talking about okay, how do we reach them from this point going forward? Well, if you're talking about a younger demographic, I'm sorry, but television isn't going to be your answer. No, I agree with you. If you're talking a younger demographic, it doesn't. If you're looking at older demographic conservatives you probably have a better business model. But is the business model an entire network or just news 
which isn't as slanted as you see on the network. Because if your only goal is to get on the, t- if you're going to go on the TV stations and you're going to have twenty four seven liberal programming, mm-hmm. number one, that's going to be pretty expensive. And if you only have thirty outlets, even if they're in major cities, yeah, it's still quite expensive, quite expensive to uh, uh, to uh, to do that. And I don't know if the audience is there. Sinclair runs regular programming. Yeah. Right. And then they may right. have a you know news or then they may have a new show, but it's not a conservative news network 24-7 news. Right. So I don't know. I don't know if they're just getting desperate to get their message out there, but I would look at it and say, well, no, I think you're better. I think you're better to, uh, well, I don't know. I've, I don't know. I don't know what advice I'd give to liberals right now. I mean, I don't know if... I don't know how you can market anymore the things that they believe in. That's a hard thing. But in general, mm-hmm. I think it's more effective. I'll say just in general, for poli- if you want to push a political message, to get on the highest rate, rated show and have a very effective commercial. Yeah. The right. general shows that are out there and have a very effective commercial at that particular point. But I just thought it was interesting and thought I would bring uh, you know, uh, that, uh, that up. Well, the polling is out there. Mm-hmm. New polling? Looks like it's uh, pretty obvious. When you see the numbers here, 83% of voters. We started out the show with this. We know we have a new audience, you know, coming in by this time. Mm -hmm. And if you've stayed with us and you're not new, God bless you. Yeah, thank you. You've stayed up with us since midnight. That's stamina. But but we (laughs) we thought this was really, really interesting to show uh, that we were right, and that's all we do on the show is get affirmation that we were right. That's yeah, that's what we look to do. Entire goal. <laughs> Does anything really matter besides that? No, no. That's no. <laughs> you may think so, but this is about Oops. us. No one of one of the things we've always thought is to be serious. Now, one of the things we've always thought is that we still live in a nation that is one thing that they hate are politicians that take bribes and politicians that don't pay their taxes. We've always thought that still probably is the strongest thing that you can find most Americans are unified about. Yeah. 83% of voters believe the FBI should make public its informant file that alleges President Joe Biden accepted a $5 million bribe mm. from the Ukrainian oligarch. And we believe that's how that should always be presented, that Biden accepted the bribe the allegation is he accepted a bribe from an oligarch because that makes the allegation much more serious than the Ukrainian Burisma president. Yeah. Correct? Say oligarch. It's immediately evil. Yes. Yes. And because of the Democrats, it's become right. evil. That's it's why, just so you know, that's the way they, they use it. Right. right. Uh, but a, a, the poll asked respondents, do you think that the FBI report about an informer alleging that Joe Biden took a $5 million bribe while he was vice president, should be made public or kept secret by the FBI. 83% said it should be released. 17% said no. That 17% makes up Biden's family and extended family. And some oligarchs. And some some oligarchs. Yeah. That have sanctuary in the U.S. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, among the uh, among the partisans here, 
74% of Democrats believe, 74% of Democrats said the FBI should make the Biden bribery file public. 74%. 82% of independents, 92% of Republicans. And we asked it once, we'll ask it again. Who are these 8% mm-hmm. of Republicans <laughs> that don't want it public? Liz Cheney, Mitt Romney, <laughs> Bill Crystal. <laughs> you had the answer for yeah, me. Yeah, there's a whole how, list. How stupid of me. I'm sorry. I had a little mind blanks. Sorry. Yeah. I, I was on a I was on a three-day weekend. Yeah. I apologize mm-hmm. for not thinking there. Yeah. The answer was right in front of me. Thank uh-huh. you, Eric. <laughs> Thank you, Eric, for straightening yeah. me out. Yeah. Uh, the other, uh, the other interesting polling numbers is, and this, this was before you know Trump even did the the interview with uh, with Brett Baer, uh, but the majority see the Trump indictment as politically motivated and election interference. Mm. That's fascinating. Fifty five percent of Americans believe Trump's indictment Trump's indictment is politically motivated. Fifty six percent believe that it constitutes election interference and this is brand new stuff this is all brand new okay indictments you know this is just less than a uh what a week old right so is that why we haven't heard you know i mean for the longest time the whole russian collusion collusion thing at every turn was aha finally got him aha finally got him aha finally got him he gets indicted remember in new york he got indicted and everybody's like yeah but these are indictments, but not indictments. What's in the indictments? Then you get to the Florida indictments, and people, according to this poll, believe it's it is politically motivated and election interference. Is that why we're not hearing the echo chamber on this, even from the far left? There are some. Mm-hmm. But nothing like back during the heart of uh, the whole uh, Russian hoax thing. Uh, I think part of it is is what was in this poll uh, that showed that 65% believe Biden mishandled classified information hmm. and an overwhelming 72% believe Hillary mishandled classified information relating to her setting up a private server in her home. Hmm. I think the American public has figured out the two-tier system. Yeah. Yeah. The majority of Americans recognize right. Right. that it does exist, which means a majority of independents realize that it exists. Right. And I think that's the the huge problem here. Now, most the uh, most Democrats know, uh, you know, want Biden, excuse me, want Trump, uh, you know, charged and convicted of this. But as you also noticed, 74 percent of Democrats believe. And this is where I think not that they necessarily mind some probably do but some probably don't necessarily mind that even if biden took the bribe they just look at this as a way to get biden out they don't want biden to run again right right they haven't lost their liberal bent they just want biden out yeah they're not pro-trump to be clear right um the uh the other thing is and jonathan turley wrote this he said that the poor perception of the indictment also means that this case could conceivably never see a jury unless special counsel Jack Smith succeeds in pushing for a speedy trial before the election. 
he also suggested Biden consider a pledge to commute any sentence in advance. A majority of the public now supports a pardon for Trump if he is convicted. Wow. With these polls, the pressure on other Republican candidates to pledge a pardon is likely to increase. And I guess the whole point is they look and they go, every president does this in some way. And you look at, for example, as we have said with Hillary, you know what the criminal motivation was behind it. And if that, uh, if any of those documents that Biden had uh, that he that uh, were in his home were related to Ukraine, as Comer said, and they believe there may be a connection to wrongdoing. Whoa. Yeah. Now that's and and so um, we know by Trump's interview with Brett Baer, what is defense is going to be. Mm-hmm. He was not waving uh, the classified document. He just had right. newspaper clippings in his hand is what he was uh, his claiming uh, right, claiming right. on the other thing on obstruction of justice. Not really sure where he's going on that, even after his, his interview with Brett Baer. Yeah, because I don't think it's going to hold. Well, I was trying to hold, you know, in all those files were my golf clothes. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I but if the es- espionage charges go away, I just don't think you go ahead with the obstruction of justice. Well, I, I think that's the heart of the case is the espionage uh, charges. And you're going to have to, the prosecutor is going to have to prove that document. I don't know how you do that. and But I don't know how you keep Trump from doing interviews. Mm-hmm. It didn't help him. Right. If I'm his lawyer, I'm furious what he did with Brett Baer. But he it, it just he's not going to stop. This is what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But as Andrew McCarthy wrote, there's going to be so much discovery here on classified documents. And they said, like, you know, as we said, if the that classified document, if they can't present what they claim he was holding in his hand, they can't charge him with it. Well, you know, again, uh, I, I just wonder if they believe if even the prosecutors believe nah, we're not going to really go this far. We're just going to go. If it gets us through the election, we could even drop the charges. Maybe it wasn't meant to see a courtroom. 866-90-RED-EYE. Minimum changes in production. Several adjustments in price. The summary for USDA's June outlook for dairy. World Agricultural Outlook Board Chair Mark Jekinowski says most changes in production categories occurred for the current marketing year. Milk production for 2023, we reduced 200 million pounds just based on slower anticipated growth in milk per cow. Meanwhile, price adjustments were made for both 2023 and 2024. One that kind of stands out is lower cheese prices. For 2023, we lowered our cheese price forecast by $0.09 cents per pound. We also reduced our cheese price forecast for 2024, lowered it by $0.04 cents a pound. The lower cheese price forecast led to a lowering of Class 3 milk prices and lower all-milk prices for both years. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. 
And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80 the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Front Eye Radio. He is Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up uh, following the bottom of the hour, just interesting. We'll tell you just uh, why, and, and this is a former uh, federal attorney, uh, Andrew McCarthy, believes that this trial on the classified records for uh, uh, former President Trump will not take place until after the election next year mm. based on how they have to do discovery and that is based on discovery of classified documents. Right. And how long that's going to take. That's coming up. If you don't download our app, Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Well, this is really uh, interesting uh, as to now the projections out about when this Trump trial might take place. Mm-hmm. Andrew McCarthy said, in a classified information case, which of course this is, everything is about classified documents. Mm-hmm. 
lawyers litigate before the trial what classified information is admissible in a case. Both the prosecution and the defense must share with the government what classified information they intend to use. McCarthy said the defense always claims that they need more and because they really think it's exculpatory and and not because they really think it's exculpatory, but because they know the government doesn't want to reveal it. Mm. And they try to make a record that they were prevented from making their defense. So every single piece of evidence that they bring forward yeah. The yeah. the defense will challenge. Yep. Yep. Well, and, 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 and that's it. And you can't bring it to a jury because the jury is not allowed to see it. Right. He said the judge then rules what is relevant and the government can either declassify the information so it can be used in the trial or order a substitute. I don't know what that even means. Neither do I. But it has to give the defense enough to make the argument that they would have been entitled to make. McCarthy said that in the event that the government does not want to declassify the information and the court says there is no accurate substitute, it holds that the attorney general can order that the court not to allow the classified information into the trial. Remember when Mueller, as special prosecutor, went after the 13 Russians and then they served them in Russia thinking they're not going to show up or tried to serve them in Russia. They're not going to show up. Then an American law firm shows up in court representing those Russians that were indicted. And... Then the special prosecutor's office said, well, 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 wait a minute. We didn't, you know, we weren't able to, well, no, you've indicted. You don't have to be served. We're here to defend the case. Those lawyers for those Russians knew you can't present evidence because our clients are Russian and the evidence, you're not going to show them the, whatever the evidence you have, because Certainly, Russian citizens who are connected to the Kremlin are not going to be able to see that evidence. So you have a similar thing here now with this evidence being, I mean, all of it is classified. So if they don't declassified, uh, declassify all this information, by the way, every single document has to go through that process. Right, and that, I, yeah. I, I yep. wonder if a year or a year and a half is even going to be, I mean, this could be years in the making, I, just based on how many documents there are and and each hearing about each document. You don't have that, you don't have that kind of uh, calendar space on any docket. So uh, the law holds that the attorney general can order the court not to allow the classified information into the trial. Then the judge at that point, uh, then, then the courts pertaining to the information uh, that that had. Excuse me. Here, let me let me say this again. McCarthy said that in the event the government does not want to declassify the information, and the court says that there is no adequate substitute, the law holds that the attorney general can order the court 
not to allow the classified information into the trial, and then the courts pertaining to the information have to be thrown out due to the lack of a fair trial. Right. So if they don't, if they can't declassify the information, and so you're, we're talking about where they claim Trump is holding up the, the document. Well, there's a whole different ball game, as we brought up last week, whole different ball game if he says, I wasn't holding up a classified document. I was holding up whatever, and that's what he told Brett Baer. I wasn't holding up the document. I was holding up newspaper clippings or whatever. That's what I was holding up. Now, that means they have to prove that he was holding the classified document, which means they have to present the classified document, correct? Yeah. You would think? Yeah. Well, and, or and, a, or and, a and substitute, because of discovery. Or a substitute. I don't know what the substitute would be. I don't, I, I don't well, know what that's, that means. Well, that's the, that's the question, is what legally um, qualifies as a substitute in this case. Another obstacle to a speedy trial mm. is that Trump's lawyers have to be cleared to get access to the classified yeah. information. Right. right, right. He said due to the difficulty of this process, he thought special counsel Jack Scott would focus on obstruction rather than the allegedly classified materials Trump retained. I don't know how on earth he gets it to trial prior to the November election. And I would say that even if Trump didn't have four or five other cases on his plate, that they have to schedule it around. He said they, uh, he said once he once had a case involving much less classified information, and it took 18 months to litigate before yeah. the trial. Yeah, that's why I was thinking, my gosh, with all the docu- different documents here, this would go on forever. But maybe, again, maybe that's the whole point. Maybe the prosecution is looking at this saying, you know what? We don't need it to even go the full measure. We just need it to go through Election Day of 24. And and he said the thing that really held up, he said, we once had a case involving much less classified information. It took 18 months to litigate before the trial. That was one little discrete piece of evidence with respect to, to one defendant out of 12. Wow. And that's how long it took in front of a judge who was, by the way, extremely efficient. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, these yeah. these scenarios, the scenarios when you think about it, because let's say Trump becomes president. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, then what? But you you're not going to charge him. No, it goes it goes away for four years. Right. Which the Democrats would love for that to still be hanging. Yeah. There's your new dangling Chad or day one. He (laughs) pardons himself. Yeah. Right. And then let's that go to the Supreme Court. (laughs) Exactly. Or he wins, steps down and let's. Carrie Lake, pardon him, (laughs) whoever his (laughs) Veep pick is going to be. (laughs) We'll just throw in all the conspiracy theories. Okay. I like that. Or Chris Christie wins. (laughs) Sorry. I went too far. 
<laughs> That's just stupid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's... It, 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 or DeSantis it, wins and then pardons Trump, and he no longer calls him DeSantimonious. Yeah, exactly. You have to agree to no longer call me DeSantimonious. I don't know. I don't know. I'll get back to you. Um, the, <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> the, but the whole thing reeks of, again, I mean, it's, we all Everybody, the polls show it. It's political. Yeah, it's political. It because, doesn't. Because, it doesn't yeah. need to see the light of day in a courtroom. Let the process play out long enough to sway the election in our favor or whatever, and hang the political cloud over Trump, and then we either drop it or it's dismissed or it goes nowhere. Well, as as we had discussed earlier, I was thinking about it more. That what if the judge in that time period, let's say, remember, a year from now. <laughs> yeah. A year, a year from now. Yeah, we're past we're, Super Tuesday. We uh, are well but, into it. But a year from now, the mm-hmm. judge starts dismissing counts. Well, I mean, what if they... What I if mean, the judge starts... Think to, about the and, espionage and, count. And the that has... If you're Trump's attorney... That has to be the first challenge. Okay, let's go after that document. What they say is the document. Let's tear that apart. Let's see if we... And then if that's not allowable, and then the espionage count goes away, really the heart of the case goes away. Well, if if they start... Well, think about it. Uh, if, they, if the judge starts saying, okay, fine, you're not going to do this. We drop that charge. We drop that charge. We drop that charge. As it's leading into the election, and let's say Trump at this point... You know, is the is the presumptive nominee that's in his favor saying all of it. Yeah. All of it has been. Yep. All of it has been a witch hunt from the very beginning, from Russia collusion on to now. And watch when I become president, how they'll drop those final charges, because Mm -hmm. they're just using them as one last. Right. uh, In one last. And when it doesn't work, they're going to run. Right. Like a bunch of cockroaches. We're going to turn the light on and they're all going to scatter. He's free to use that if he wants to, um, <laughs> but that's but that but that will elevate him. That politically, if that's happening a year from now, and that starts to and, and this case starts to implode, then absolutely it's going to work for him. There's no way it doesn't, and there's no way that Biden gets any better at God save the Queen, man, in those moments. Mm-hmm. There's no way he gets better at campaigning. There's no way the economy is just going to drastically improve. It's just not going to happen. Any update on that Titanic submarine? So if you were following over the weekend, uh, this is the Titan submarine. It's a 22-foot submarine that is really a it's a tourist submarine for, and it can hold five people. And there are five people aboard the submarine that was going down to take a very close and, and, and up-close look at the Titanic, the wreckage of the Titanic. This submarine is, they say, capable 
of going down over 13,000 feet, and the the Titanic sits at about 12,500 feet. They lost communication Sunday evening with this uh, submarine. Uh, the communications, by the way, were, was uh, the satellite communications Starlink owned by Elon Musk. Um, they don't know why they've lost communication. This submarine, this small submarine, has the ability uh, to float itself if something goes wrong through drop weight. So they, they, they drop enough weight for this, and then it becomes buoyant. It, it goes to the surface. Uh, the U.S. Coast Guard, which, by the way, uh, the rescue mission started again this morning. Uh, the U.S. Coast Guard is uh, out of Boston is is uh, leading the efforts, the rescue mission. They still consider it to be a rescue mission at this point um, because there is 96 hours, roughly 96 hours worth of bottled oxygen on board this craft. So there are a number of theories that uh, maybe the submarine got entangled in the wreck- wreckage. Uh, maybe it lost power and sank and was not able to deploy the drop weights. If it did, that's going to be catastrophic because rescuing it from the bottom is, is going to be near impossible. Uh, and then, of course, the, the ultimate uh, a breach in, in uh, the glass yeah. or, or something else, uh, yeah. which would cause an implosion with that kind of pressure at that, that level. Uh, but they are indeed looking for uh, the Titan um, and and will continue to do so. They say roughly uh, Thursday morning, I think, is that 96-hour window on the oxygen. So we'll uh, follow this story throughout the day. 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Yeah, that's the one thing about the that's Titanic submarine is the fact that they haven't heard. There's been no communications with it. That's the wor- That's the worrisome part. Yeah, there are I so think. many different scenarios. Um, you know, because obviously you want to. You're hoping it will surface right away. Uh, that they were able to deploy. If they it lost power, they maybe they were still able to manually deploy the drop weights and, and create that buoyancy. Um, but once it goes below that continental shelf level, there are few uh, crafts in the world in terms of rescue. Uh, I yeah. It's just you can't. And military nuclear submarines, just so people know, can only go down about, was it 2,000 feet? Yeah. And we're That's talking, talking 12,500 for the Titanic and even yeah. further. Again, they're claiming that this Titan sub can hold uh, at least 13,000. It's fine, but uh, we'll see what the uh, rescue mission does or where it goes today. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series, In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. Binge Seasons 1 and 2 of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen.